I want you to consider the things the, that I show you now and consider what they have in common. What do they have in common? Here's an ornament. See if that will survive the morning. Some string of lights. A present. This is going to throw you. A pair of sweatpants with an elastic waistband. <laughs> so what do they have in common? Well, if you haven't figured it out, and most of you probably have, uh, I'll add a few other things. Maybe wrapping paper, maybe a bulky sweater. These are things that hide other things. Now, when we used to, uh, when we, our kids were little, we would go and we would cut down our own pine tree and and we would drag it in, and it's interesting, as Pete mentioned in a meeting we had, that how funny that the perfect tree out in the outdoors, by the time you drug it into the house, ours always had uh, curvature of the pine. You know, just like that. But if we wound our lights just right, it looked like a Christmas tree. And if there were empty spots in the tree, you just hang more ornaments on that spot. It covers up. Uh, the, the bulky, the sweatpants, you know, that covers up flaws uh, in, in our lives. Um, this, this week, Cindy said, Dave, do you want me to put a cover-up on your spots? See, I'm going through that, that pre-cancer treatment again, not not as extreme as a year ago, and, and now it's just on a spot in my forehead, and my two ears are beet red and, and uh, burn, and the backs of my hands. And so uh, Cindy said, do you want me to, I've got some cover-up. Uh, we are great at covering up, aren't we? Um, we have a tree skirt that covers up the tree stand. Uh, in, when our kids were little, we hid a little glass pickle inside of the Christmas tree, someplace in there, and the kids would go round and around that tree trying to find, be the one that could find that little green pickle uh, because we had hid it in there. We hide presents with wrapping paper or gift bags or garbage bags or whatever so that the kids don't know what's inside. It's a cover-up. This whole season is a cover-up, isn't it? And then we would go hide our gifts in the garage or up high or someplace so the kids couldn't find them and figure out how they try to get it so that they would not know what's inside. And Christmas season is that, is that way. Now, at the end of the day, at the end of Christmas Day, we would sort the presents from the wrapping paper, the presents from the garbage, 
and then we would haul the garbage out. Normally, we would go back out to the garbage because somebody had lost a present and it's lost in the garbage. And we'd go through that all over again. It's just what we would do, search for it in the trash. A great cover-up. I mean, for we've got zit away and bags away and and everything else, wrinkle away, whatever, slimming slacks, bulky sweaters, and elastic waistbands. Uh, we hide our physical flaws. We hide our spiritual flaws. Some of the ways we hide our spiritual flaws might be by carrying a Bible. So we look religious or we look like we have a right relationship with the holy god or we might say amen you know heaven forbid that would happen in a baptist church they actually say or we smile you know you just get through fighting with your spouse in the car and you come in the door as soon as you step through the doors or maybe get out of the car hopefully when you get out of the car so they don't see you storming across the parking lot but we put a smile on our faces and then everything is good. We cover up until we get back in the car, and then the smoke starts coming out the windows again. We just have a way, and somebody says, how are you doing? And we say, good, good. Um, because we're only revealing the surface. And we're really careful uh, to not let people see the turmoil or the trash underneath. Uh, but sometimes it takes a careful unwrapping to discover what the real problem might be or even to discover what's really important. And that's what a friend does or a confident, confidant does or a counselor does. They dig through the wrappings through the ornaments, through the boxes, through the garbage, and they find out your need. And good news, there's good news this morning. The good news is that we have a wonderful counselor, and we read those, that verse there in, in verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, he says, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. It's a compound word, Wonderful Counselor, uh, a comforter who is wonderful, extraordinary, miraculous, out of the ordinary, beyond explanation. That's what that word, we looked at that last week, uh, to the wonderful counselor, what's in the name. And so uh, in Isaiah 6, even though we might hide all of these things, there is a wonderful counselor. I want us to look at his credentials. You know, if I uh, go into, sometimes I'll, go to the doctor and I'll go into his office and, and the nurse says hey, just wait in here and, and so rather than the, just sit on a chair and, and wait for two hours for a doctor to come in I'll, I'll get up and I'll walk around you know, try on their gloves uh, <laughs> uh, see what ha, ha, ha. you know uh, uh, but uh, look at the, the little, little framed uh, Diplomas on their wall that tell me what their credentials are. You know, if I go in there and I say uh, uh, his, his education was received at a veterinary school, I, I uh, maybe he'll just put me down. I, I don't know. You want to be careful there, but 
you look at the credentials of this wonderful counselor, and you see he certainly and really is miraculous. Miraculous. There's no way that we can explain this counselor's credentials. But we're given what his credentials are through Scripture. And there are many, we're only going to look at a few this morning, but uh, he, that make him wonderful. And the first is he's omniscient, and that's just a big word for he's all-knowing. He knows all things. Even in 1 John chapter 3, it says, For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts, and he knoweth all things. He knows all things. He's watching. Psalm 147 says that he knows uh, the uh, number of the stars, and he calleth them all by name. He's got names for all of them. I don't want to disappoint you. If you spent $75 to have a planet or a, a star named after a loved one, you know, that person that has everything, uh, uh, it's a waste of money. I don't want to embarrass you. It was the, the worst $75 I ever spent. I mean, because he already had a name, and they put Cindy's name on that star, and uh, now it's got two names. I don't know if God recognizes Cindy's name on there or not, but he already has a name. Why? Because he knows everything. He knows every heartbeat. He knows every thought. He knows every step that you're going to take. He knows everything that you did yesterday. He knows everything that you will do tomorrow. He knows every secret sin. He knows every desire to do right. I, you know, I appreciate that he knows every desire to do right, even when I do not do right. He knows my desire to do right because he is omniscient. And he cheers me on as a counselor saying, you can do it. The next time, you do not need to fail. He knows that. He knows our time of departure from off, off of this earth, whether it be by COVID or whether it be by, by uh, cancer or whether it be by too many birthdays. I prefer maybe the too many birthdays, but uh, he knows how we're going to go. I actually prefer the Lord coming and taking us away, maybe today. And Scripture says it could be today that he comes and takes us off this earth. Uh, an omniscient counselor. Uh, that, great credential for a counselor. Because since he is omniscient, he is always correct. I've counseled uh, a, a lot of people in my day. And I will hear the first one tell me. And I will go, <gasps> I try not to show it. But in my mind, it's, oh. That's terrible. I don't say it. And then I hear the other side. Oh, that's terrible. And then I think, ah, uh, this is about the same thing. Somewhere in the middle is the truth. The omniscient counselor knows everything. So he knows what parts are lies, are cover-ups, and what parts are not cover-ups. And so uh, he gets a correct diagnosis. They don't remove a kidney when they're supposed to remove an appendix. Or they don't cut off the left leg when they're supposed to cut off the right leg. There's never a misdiagnosis because he knows everything. 
he is correct. An omniscient counselor, always correct. An omniscient counselor is always discreet. He only tells those that can help. Something happens to us, we tell everybody. And uh, probably none of those that we tell can actually help through this counseling situation. And it is just gossip. But uh, the counselor, uh, omniscient counselor, is always discreet. He, is always, he will always confront. Oh, do you hate confrontation? I hate confrontation. But that's what has to happen in order to bring about change. A counselor will always confront because his goal is to, get, uh, to take care of a situation. His goal, and for us, he confronts uh, sin within us so that we might change to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. He doesn't feel sorry for the person, or he might, but he still confronts to bring about change. And none of us like change, I dare say, unless it's changing from Minnesota to Hawaii. Uh, we want uh, change that benefit us, but we don't want change that brings about correction in us, do we? And so a counselor has, the, their problem is trying to get across to these people they're counseling that this will be for good and this will bring about the will of God. Now, a Christian counselor, that's his goal, to bring about the will of God in your life. But we don't like change. It reminds me of the, the duck story of the, uh, in Duckville, on Sunday morning, all the ducks waddle to church. They waddle down the aisles. They waddle into their pews. The duck pastor waddles up to the pulpit, and he opens the duck Bible, and he says, Ducks, we have wings. We can, soar, we can fly like eagles. We can soar in the sky. And all the ducks stamp their little web feet and say, Amen, amen. And then they all waddle home. No change. Uh, because we don't like change. We, we don't, I don't like change. And yet the counselor is within us. You realize that these verses in Isaiah chapter 9 are talking about Jesus when he comes back and establishes his kingdom on this earth. I hope you realize that's what he's talking about here. A wonderful counselor. He's going to lead the world as an omniscient, wonderful counselor. But in Scripture, when Jesus was going, the night Jesus was arrested, he, was telling, he told his disciples, I am going to have to go away. And when I go away, it is going to be better for you because I am going to send another to reside within every believer. Now that word another means another the same. Another the same. Now I could hold up my Bible here and a hymnal and say these are both books. So here I'm going to give you another. But that's not what it's talking about when Jesus says another. It's like holding up our pew Bibles when we had them before COVID. Uh, hold up the pew bob Bibles, and they're just the same. Now, they're not the same in that one can sit here and one can sit here, but they are the same. You open the pa 
the covers and it's got the same. He says, I am going to send another the same as me, a wonderful counselor. And he's going to reside in every believer to, uh, in the form of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. And so he will always confr uh, confront us. That's the job of the Holy Spirit, to bring about change so that we might be living in accordance to God's will. And so if you've, if you've asked Christ to forgive you and save you, the Holy Spirit automatically indwells you. If there's been that time, you have the Holy Spirit, you, you might think, oh man, my conscience is really bothering me. Well, the Holy Spirit is really bothering you if you're a believer. It's the Holy Spirit that, that convicts you to become more like God the Son. Romans 8, 29 tells us that. The omniscient counselor will correct. He will uh, be discreet. He will always confront, and he will always motivate. He's an encourager. That's what this great comforter, that's the name of the Holy Spirit, what, what uh, Christ called the Holy Spirit, the great comforter that will indwell you. Uh, there is hope. This, the Holy Spirit will say, hey, you don't have to live like this. You don't have to experience this. You can change, and I will enable you to change. There is no trial or no temptation that takes you, but such as is common to man, yet God is faithful, and he will not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye, ye are able, but will with that trial or temptation make a way of escape. He's an enabler. So the counselor's credentials begins with he's omniscient. It, it goes on to he's omnipresent, or no, he's all uh, omnipotent or all-powerful, almighty, and some of his names are that, almighty, especially in the book of the Revelation, the mighty God, talking about Jesus Christ, and it means he's all-powerful, he can do anything, and you say, you know, I, I was welding at Arctic Enterprise, and one of the first days there, because they knew I was going to seminary, uh, a guy asked me the question that everybody wants to ask. If God, can God do every, anything? Yes, God can do anything. He's omnipotent. And he said, okay, if God can do anything, can he make a rock that it, it's too big for him to lift? Uh, I've heard that a dozen times probably. And I said, no, God can't do anything contrary to his character. He cannot sin. He cannot lie. It's contrary to his character. And so he's not going to do that. Omnipotence means, though, he is all-powerful. And so he can do whatever he says he's going to do, and he will do it. Uh, when our kids were little, they used to think I was omnipotent, all-powerful. They'd bring me, Dad, can you fix this? And usually with duct tape and super glue, we get it done. Uh, then they realized I wasn't omnipotent when they started bringing their balloons that had popped to me. Daddy, can you fix this? No, see, there are lots of things that we cannot do, but God can do these things. Um, there's om, omnisapience, with, which means all wisdom. That's a, a credential for this wonderful counselor. It's different than knowledge. Knowledge is just a lot of facts. Wisdom is knowing how to put those facts together uh, to accomplish God's 
will. Um, there are lots of facts out there, and they're, they're saying that the facts, the information world is, is happening so fast that information doubles uh, every hour and a half. Okay, we're learning this in our Sunday school class. Every hour and a half, the information doubles. It, it's not um, for lack of knowledge that men are going to hell. It's for lack of wisdom on how to apply the knowledge to place their faith in Jesus Christ. I, uh, somebody sent this to me. It's called Four Worms and a Lesson to be Learned. A minister decided that a visual demonstration would add emphasis to a Sunday sermon. Four worms were placed into four separate jars. The first worm was put into a container of alcohol. The second worm was put into a container of cigarette smoke. The third worm was put into a container of chocolate syrup. The fourth worm was put into a container of good, clean soil. At the conclusion of the sermon, the minister reported the following results. The first worm in the alcohol was dead. The second worm in the cigarette smoke was dead. The third worm in the chocolate syrup, and I hate to report, was dead. The fourth worm in the good, clean soil was alive. So the minister asked the congregation, what did you learn from this demonstration? Maxine was sitting in the back and quickly raised her hand and said, if you drink, smoke, and eat chocolate, you won't have worms. Now, they got the, the, the knowledge right, but didn't connect it. Uh, and that often happens to us. But the one with all wisdom, the counselor with all wisdom, will always get it right. Omnipresence. He's everywhere present. He's not in everything. That's pantheism. But he, there is no barrier for him. He is everywhere present which encourages me. It encourages me. You know, he is with me. That's what he promises. And lo, I am with you always. And that you means you, and you, and you, and you, and you. He was with me always, even unto the end of the world, for all time. Once you trust Christ as your Savior, he is with you, everywhere, present. In fact, the Greek word for God is theos, which is from the verb to see. He sees everything. He is with us everywhere. That encourages me. Now, it used to scare me when I would think, I shouldn't be doing this. I want, anybody watching? And to realize, yeah, God was. But now it comforts me. Not because I don't do things that are wrong anymore. It comforts me to know that he's going to be there even when I do things wrong and he's going to help me. His goal, the great comforter, the great counselor, is to bring about change in my life to conform to the will of God and to the image of God's Son. So uh, he's omnipresent. He's personal. He's your very own. He's my very own. He is available at all times, wherever I might be. He is eternal. He's immutable. That means he's unchangeable. 
uh, one of his credentials on his uh, plaque on his, in his office. He's unchangeable. And what does that tell me? It tells me that God's word is always the same. He doesn't change things on us. Marriage is always between one man and one woman. That's, that's his rules. He's unchangeable. No matter all these other things that are happening, they're not marriages. Modesty is always important. Fornication is always wrong. Adultery is always wrong. Homosexuality is still wrong. Abortion is still wrong. Still hates a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that run to mischief, a false witness, and one who sows discord among the brethren. That's Proverbs chapter 6. It says God hates these. He still does. It doesn't change. Creation is correct. No matter what a college professor might say. It's always right to be kind and gentle, to be patient and generous. Salvation is still by faith alone in the name Jesus. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved but the name Jesus. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It will always be that way. No matter what somebody might say that if you can get your good to outweigh your bad, then you will get into heaven or at least you got a better chance. Or if you become a member of a First Baptist Church, you know, maybe that will get you into heaven. Or if you get baptized, that's going to get you to heaven. That's not what Scripture says, and God doesn't change. He says there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's to confess that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you accept the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. He died on the cross for us, so that if we place our faith in His work, we say, Lord, I do not deserve your mercy, your kindness, but uh, you died on the cross for me. I believe that. You rose again the third day. Thou shalt be saved. Call on the name of the Lord, and thou shalt be saved. And it doesn't change. It's not going to change because he's immutable. And then there's love and mercy and grace and faithfulness. Uh, these other attributes, holiness, credentials, but what I want us to see this morning as we, as we end is the counselor's counsel. Now, not all counsel is wonderful. Satan went to Eve and gave her counsel. Eat of the fruit of the tree of good and evil. Ah, and then you'll be like God. Bad counsel. Because of that, she pans it to Adam, and in Adam we all will die because of our sin. There's not a one of us that won't die uh, because of our sin. We are all sinners. We didn't have to teach our kids to sin. I mean, they, they knew how to do it right away. They were selfish little sinners. Cried all night long because they wanted, the whole world was revolved around them. Wah, 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 wah. You know? Uh, because that's what we are when we're born. We are sinners. And there's no way we can get out from that except that Jesus died on the cross for us. He took my place. Uh, Paul writes about he nailed my sin to the cross of Jesus Christ. That when they would hang a, um, somebody on the cross, they would put the reason why he was there. He is dying because he murdered a family or he stole 
from the treasury, whatever. They would na they'd nail his crime to his cross. So people would come by and see why that guy was going to death, being put to death on a cross. Jesus hung on the cross, and I nailed my sin on his cross when I was a kid. And I asked him to forgive me and save me. He took my sin. He gave me his righteousness. So that in, in the eyes of God, God looks at me and he doesn't see me as a sinner anymore. He sees me as a son. Many as receive him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. It's amazing that I got to, I, I now have him as my father and I get to enjoy all of his riches for all eternity. He gave me life so that even though this body might die, I do not die, but I enter, walk through the door into the presence of a holy God who loves me as a dad loves his kids. A good dad loves his kids. So uh, not all counsel is wonderful. Not all counsel is welcomed, even from the wonderful counselor, because it confronts sin. And we don't want to be confronted with our sin, do we? But he does. He calls for change. He is, it's going to be contrary to social pressure. And so, but we need a counselor. Someone who will patiently begin to unwrap our present. To see what's underneath. He unwraps us. He removes the cover-up that we have. And he unwraps us more carefully than I'm unwrapping this. But then this is, this is not the important. The important thing is what's underneath. A box of Legos. Uh, Legos are just a whole bunch of little pieces that need to be put together by someone to make a person or a, a truck in this case a helicopter to make something worthwhile out of us and so we have this counselor that is willing to do that but many times we say no I don't want we're going to leave the cover on and we've got a bunch of grandkids and the last thing they want to do at Christmas is to leave the cover-up on their presents, right? They want to get down to the present, what's really important. What a shame if they walked out of our house Christmas carrying their presents with the wrapping paper on, take them home, put them on the shelf, and that's it. They would be Stupid grandkids, wouldn't they? Matt, you're not going to do that, are you? No, you're going to rip that sucker apart as fast as you can. Get down to what's important. But I'm just afraid we're going to waddle home today. We can soar, fly like eagles, but we'll waddle home. We don't want change. We're, we're comfortable in our cover-up. And, and this goes for those that have never placed their faith in Christ the, the wonderful counselor will expose 
your sin and your need for a Savior. This goes for those of us that have given our lives to the Lord, like for me when I was a kid. Uh, the wonderful counselor still, is, I'm just a bunch of Legos, he's still working on me. Putting the Legos together so that in the end I might look more like Jesus than I do today. He's still going to do that. Let's not waddle home with our covered presence, our wrapped presence under our arms. Let him expose what's really important today. Let's pray. Father, you know what's important. You know that uh, for a long time, we, we can hide our sin. We can be comfortable in it. And maybe we will die still covering up our sin. But your desire is that we might let the counselor Expose it and enable us to change. I'm, I'm asking, Lord, that if there's somebody here this morning that's never placed their faith in you, never been to the cross figuratively, never recognized that their sin is going to send them to hell, accept, accept that you died on the cross for them, that they might call on the name of the Lord and be saved. I pray that that might happen. I also pray, Lord, for those of us that are believers that we might allow you to change us today because you're a wonderful counselor, confidant. Bring about change in our lives, please. I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.